0: Welcome to another episode of the PATH Podcast with Tawny, Nathan, and Ock, where we invite you to come hang out in one of the best bike shops around and enjoy the banter. Compliments of the PATH Bike Shop in Tustin and Tribugo Canyon, California. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Hey guys, Nathan here with Tony and Ock. Regular show for you. It's good to be here tonight. The the typical trio. Very good.
1: <laughs> so good.
0: <laughs> so good. Tony's pulling out the phone.
1: Oh, revealing all of my secrets. <laughs> Thank you, Nathan.
2: Transition to a portfolio on my iPhone.
1: Uh, I think that is pronounced folio.
2: Folio? Not a portfolio, right. It's not a portfolio. It's a folio.
0: Boomer. <laughs> <Embrace> <laughs> I think you're. It. How old are you? I'm almost 50. Are you a boomer or an Xer? I'm a boomer. I don't think that's true. I think you're an Xer. I, I, I mean, X-er? I think
1: by the strictest definition, you have to have been born 1964 or uh, older. Is that right to be a boomer? But I also think that if a young person just... Um, then says, okay, Boomer, when I say that, yeah. then I lose. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> that might be a valid point. I just embraced it. <laughs> I'm, I'm a, I could be an Xer or a millennial, depending yeah. on where you look now up the definition. Right. I think I am an Xer. So for a while, I've been preaching about,
1: hey, like let's go easier on the millennials. All this stuff that we're saying, it's just the same exact stuff that... About people, millennials. It's just the same exact stuff that people said about us when we were kids. That the boomers said about us. And, <laughs> right. And I didn't even think about how, like, oh, it's going to come home to roost. <laughs> like, we're,
0: as a generation, we've been talking a lot of crap. <laughs> That's true. My uh my friend's got some young kids. Well, you guys, you, you've got young kids, too. And he was saying, it's like a whole different world he, he made the comment the other day. He's like, "Yeah, they're over social media. It's done. It's they're done with it. That's for old people." And he was, but
1: they're not. They just have their own versions of it, right? Like TikTok I, or something. You
0: know, I I don't know. I didn't dig too deep in the conversation. Yeah, I think it's like,
1: okay, boomer, we're not on
0: social media, and then they go to one that you don't know about. This particular friend has, I think like an eight or nine year old and he lives in Eugene, Oregon. So there might be a whole nother cutting yeah. edge example. Well, I have a window
1: on. into that. I have some nephews in Eugene, Oregon who are not
0: right from that demographic. Would you consider Eugene bleeding edge of mm. future trends? It's
1: the shire of... It's, it's interesting because you have kind of um, old school
0: lager culture. Okay.
1: Kind of... Culture clashing with the Shire of progressiveness and maybe even like political correctness.
0: I, I got the impression. And it is the Shire. I thought Eugene was like the highest per capita of like PhDs or something like mm. that. Like it was really, really high. Hmm. College Hill. Right. There's a place called College
1: Hill, and that's. That's a good place to live in Eugene.
0: I've heard there's a lot of like PhDs pouring coffee though in Eugene. Ah, like, it's 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 a high percentage even outside of the university. Maybe possibly lots of PhDs un- not employed by the university. Lots of smiles. Yeah. Not a lot of good mountain bike trails
1: in town. Weird that we're talking about that so much. Is that where they found Ted Kaczynski?
0: <laughs> I thought it was in that was in Montana. Was it in Montana?
2: Maybe. Yeah. Okay. Okay.
0: I I don't, I don't starting remember.
2: this episode <laughs> off.
1: We were talking bikes nonstop right before we turned the microphones on. <laughs> we were. You guys were talking nerding out on tires per usual. <laughs> it was tires. great. I, tires. I, tires. Okay. about it's like news. the Shire <laughs> tires. Okay. Path <laughs> to modern mountain biking clinic number three in Tustin on March eleventh. Path Demo Fair, March fifteenth. Woman's Wednesday, March 18th. Women's Wednesday is a um afternoon, evening ride uh with Val and Kim and a bunch of awesome woman shredders. San Diego Oaks, 515, March 18th, Woman's Wednesday. Cool. Path Spring sale, March 22nd. Path I think I mentioned the demo fairs March 15th. Mm-hmm. Demo you gotta go to the demo fair. People should people should understand. I almost I can't almost talk about the demo fair without feeling a little bit braggadocious, but the demo fair is sort of like if you wanted to go to a mountain bike festival that had less people on shorter lines. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Rocky Mountain, Kona, Giant, Santa Cruz, Intense, a bunch of other brands demoing bikes, I mean, festival atmosphere. I mean,
2: remember years ago at uh, the Dirt demo, it's kind of like that where you could walk up and you could like roll out on bikes and go... It's almost like board. a trade show
1: atmosphere. It, yeah. I mean, and you've got... It's a city of, of pop-up tents.
2: Except really... Con- the pop-up tents are really concentrated.
1: All high-end mountain. All high-end mountain. And some gravel. And some e. <laughs>
0: I haven't heard that one before. That one's good.
1: Sme, Sme.
0: Are we eventually gonna just like shorten it to like Molly or something? Like, <laughs> oh yeah, I ride my Molly bike. Like, <laughs> it's like a six degree of separation slang and a drug reference. Yeah, and a drug reference. It, it's kind of like the the Ocean's Eleven thing where he's like, "We're in Barney." And they look at him, they're like, "What?" He's like, "Barney Rubble, trouble." And it's like a <laughs> two degree separation <laughs> slang. Stream of consciousness. I like streams
1: of consciousness. Wednesday, three twenty-five. The first path to mountain, modern mountain biking ride. March twenty-fifth. Nice. Mo- Monday, three two. March second. The share board meeting. Check that out on the share website. Shares a good club to get involved with if you want to be involved in trail work and advocacy for mountain biking in Orange County, especially for the state parks and county parks. Dong Dot Clinic March 7th. Sedona Mountain Bike Festival March 7th through 8th. California Mountain Bike Series number two at Vail Lake on March 13th. California Mountain Bike Series number three at Benelli on March 20th to the 22nd. Sea Otter Classic March 16th to 19th, which I think Sea Otter is really. If you want to go to a a real trade show environment and then watch an awesome slalom race and downhill race in a party environment and see a bunch of mountain bike stars, go to Sea Otter. Sea Otter's pretty awesome. It's the 16th to the 19th? Don't go if you're agoraphobic or Mm -hmm. afraid of crowds or if you get... I'm like slightly minorly triggered by crowds. Mm -hmm. I can handle it, but it's a trade-off. It costs me energy. And may produce sweat under my armpits. <laughs> and that's the sixteenth to the nineteenth. CR Classic. Nice. Are you the, going? Und, undetermined. Mm. I went a couple years ago. Had a great time. Good dirt ride, formerly known as the Rwanda Ride, April twenty fifth. OC Mountain Bike Race in Limestone Canyon, May second.
0: Is Over. that non dot?
1: No. OC Mountain Bike is a different operation, and they do these races in. What's cool about those races to me is these are trails you really can't ride without a docent or supervision. Normally, they're right. limestone. it is beautiful. I mean, the nature there is really over the top. Scenery, nature, t- it's beautiful. Hmm. Did I say Over the Hump returns May fifth yet? No, but that's that's cool. It's coming up, and then Share Poker Ride May sixteenth. Awesome opportunity to support local mountain biking and and kind of engage the local mountain bike community, make new friends, ride with old friends, that kind of thing. High fives, maybe, <laughs> maybe some high fives. Share poker, ride. It's a fundraiser and it supports trail access and trail work, which we as mountain bikers should support. That we should, we should. Correction from the last podcast it, Okay so Correction as far as my Uneducated understanding goes Brandon was talking about Power moves mm-hmm. And He asked if they are Aerobic or anaerobic And I got wires crossed And said they are Aerobic mm. In my uneducated opinion They're anaerobic I haven't researched this I, I, think, I think Yeah okay Okay I could see that. I mean, a power move where you're not—it's more about a burst and less about a sustained output. I thought I, that's my understanding of anaerobic. But I said aerobic, and and I felt weird about it and wanted to bring it up. it up. Thanks for. I feel correction. like my brain was broken in that moment, <laughs> and then I also feel like I'm not quite educated enough on the topic to properly correct myself. But that's cool. <laughs> okay. Fair enough.
2: <clears throat> we'll leave it the correction at that. That's a good one. Thanks.
0: It's a bursty <laughs> move, not a not a tr- marathon trucking along move. Red. Right.
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Power as like bursting of power as opposed to sustained over time.
2: Right. I don't know. Any given one power move does that
1: constitute anaerobic it's just hard to say if he was breaking into that anaerobic <laughs> threshold
0: that's what i was thinking well you know <laughs> you remember the rules of. But zombie but i don't
1: want to hide behind that i
0: think overall in the spirit of the question the answer is anaerobic right we remember the rules of zombie land right it's a marathon not a sprint unless it's a sprint then sprint <laughs>
2: <laughs> i was practicing my sprinting today yeah, That's was, good. If it's a sprint, you should sprint. I was sprinting. Yeah, I was. Power, I was power. I was saying that in my head time and time and time again. I was thinking about Brandon and his rides in Sedona or in uh, in Phoenix at at the uh, pivot pivot demo. He's like, I think they said that about a thousand times.
1: <laughs> I experienced kind of the ultimate like wattage science, wattage counter pseudoscience the other day where. I was riding with someone and there's this spot that I like to try to lay down the power. And it's just one of those like habitual things (laughs) that I just like to try to lay down the power. There's the end of Oaks where you come back up out onto the street again. And there's like a very short climb. And someone who I was riding with has been doing Zwift a lot lately. Zwift? Yeah. That's like an online trainer. Okay, sure. Sure. And they're like that had to have been at least seven to nine hundred watts. I was like, <laughs> how how would you say that? <laughs> They're like, well, I've been doing Zwift, and when I was doing seven to nine hundred watts on Zwift, I wasn't working as hard as that. I thought, <laughs> well, and this person and I don't weigh the same amount by a stretch. Yeah, I also played a great joke on this person. Unfortunately, it didn't play out how I planned, but I. I was a little ahead, and I was kind of showboating in front of them. And there was a casual other mountain biker hanging out by the side of the trail. And this person's just maybe like eight years older than me. And as I went by, I was like, "Tell, ask that guy if I'm his son when he comes up here." <laughs> <laughs> so,
2: so you gapped this? You, you gapped your your co-writer? I just was a little ahead of him and kind of messing with him. Yeah. <laughs> So when I was pedaling with you on that same sh- stretch, what what kind of waters do you think we were doing? Oh,
1: easy a 1,000. <laughs> easy a 1,000, thanks. I, I don't even know Stroke how pros my... could put out more waters <laughs> than Stroke
2: that. My... <laughs> Stroke my ego. Thanks, because man. we
1: didn't even drift the sweeping turn coming into that when I was riding with this person. And you and I d- drifted. totally drifted that. So <laughs> that has to be at least an extra 800 watts. It was easy.
2: Yeah. I mean, we were, we were we were having a nice conversation, and then all of a sudden, like...
1: Somewhere someone thinks we're serious, and they're just like, <laughs> what?
2: <laughs> you did start laying down some...
1: <laughs> I have... Um, I'm conditioned to pedal like I'm going to die if someone... Yeah, I'm conditioned to pedal my heart out there for some right reason. There, yeah. I have a habit of that, and that's not really my style, but that spot and me just have a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you yes.
0: I kind of want to talk about the. Did we talk
1: about the new Scout at all from Transition?
0: I think that a came out bit. in yeah. between or uh, after our last show.
1: It's an interesting bike. I, that bike, because it's a really good-looking bike and checks a lot of boxes for me as far as things that I think are interesting to people right now, it really forced me to ask myself some Hard, serious questions about where I think we're at with twenty-seven and a half and people buying them, right? And mm-hmm. this isn't a value judgment on people who ride twenty-seven and a half. This is a question about can I sell them, right? I ordered a small and a medium demo. Ooh, they'll nice. be here soon. The medium will be here really soon. Ooh, I'd like carbon to one, that one with a G X Eagle kit. Great. We, I had a I had a long time customer come in the shop. Today and pull me aside and was like, "What, what's with twenty seven and a half? I I I'm really a twenty six guy and I just kind of got onto twenty seven and a half and I come in here and it seems like everything's twenty nine. And I I pointed out, you know, the pivot Mach five and the trance twenty seven and a half and some other sweet twenty seven and a halves that we have. But he's I mean, overall it is overwhelmingly twenty nine because that's what people are asking for. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I mean, do you
0: do you guys think it's a trend that's gonna swing the other way? I think it's this I think it's a second swing of the trend where the first swing we got a bunch of twenty nines. The when, first swing we didn't really have a solid
1: counter twenty seven and a half point though.
0: No, but we had twenty six. Right. And so we got twenty nines, but it wasn't in all the categories. Like offerings right, and it wasn't super sorted out geometry wise was it really wasn't sorted out geometry wise um, they didn't hit all the travel points, and the second swing, I think is the brands fleshing out their line where they have all the travel points hitting on both travel on both wheel sizes, so for a while in um, twenty seven five when it first came out was like this too, it seems like when the wheel size sizes first got introduced there was a travel discrepancy probably for various reasons but then everybody just kind of parroted the idea like oh with bigger wheels you don't need as much travel so there's an mm. equivalent like a 140 29er is like a 160 26 or 27 5 and i don't think that was necessarily true and i think people kind of it played pretty that. well till you had a 160 29er yeah and then you realize oh yeah it's it's not the same right um, And I think we're only maybe a, just now the brands are starting to flesh out the line where it's like they have a 160, 29, they have a downhill 29 and a 27.5 across the board. So I think now that we have all the offerings where whatever you can pick your travel and you can pick your wheel and there's not a big, say, shortcoming like we had where the 29 geometry was kind of not quite right. You know, head angles were really steep and chain stays were really long and they were trying to like match something about the wrong, they were grasping onto the wrong dimensions of a 26 and trying to keep those constant. Mm. Um, and uh, so now I think we're going to see things settle out. In my opinion, it's going to be more of a sizing choice. And that's why when we had talked about the scalp before, I didn't really think, I think the sales aren't going to be really high in the larger sizes. They're going to be more in the smaller sizes.
1: Right. So I echoed that and what I ordered, a small and a medium.
0: I was curious why you didn't get an extra small. Because I thought, I feel like if you're, say, a rider that would normally maybe be looking at a live in the really small sizes, like their equivalent of a trance, this is like a more premium boutique great alternative to I that think it pretty much comes down to
1: if like 20 percent of medium riders is a greater number of people than extra small riders
0: mm. yeah kind of thing yeah that makes sense then.
1: and i already have customers asking for a medium and i can only get so many right now
0: the one of the interesting things because i did look really closely at the geometry of the scout um the small and the extra small have the same standover it's pretty common yeah, they well a lot of times even all that, of them have the
1: same standover with the way modern bikes work.
0: In that case, where the rocker is, you know, you get a little stuck. the The one brand that I always think is the, and this reflects what I've gotten for my girlfriend because she's short. Is uh, evils have this amazing standover. Have you looked at Pivot for standover? I they're they're not as not as good as I not, think. Well, Evil has the shock down low, so there's just inherent you know yeah. pivots still have a pivot a high yeah, pivot that they, they can't. actually
1: use a different pivot location and shock on the extra small yeah and it actually, it is a lot of standover. it probably isn't as much as an evil
0: the evil with that shock all the way down on the down tube you know there's they just have freedom built into that design that and have and, you actually and, done you know, your kind of measurements on on pivots i on? haven't but i haven't gotten my eyes on an extra small i bet you'd be I, I bet you'd be impressed they are pretty they do have a lot of standover it's it's probably pretty good i i think evil is just ex- exceptional on that on that standover because they have that freedom well, to it's dip. also the
1: the bend on the top tube helps too but they you they couldn't can't, do that without right
0: yeah they can do that because there's mm. you know all their pivot everything about the suspension is all really low like right. there's no you can cut the whole top off the bike right and it doesn't affect the the suspension and you could say the same about like a Santa Cruz, except they do have a connecting upper link. Right. You know, like if you took that away and everything was packaged down low, you could, you could get away with it. But, um, kind of what I'm grappling with is, you know, I think
1: 18 months ago, the Bronson was one of our best selling bikes on the shop period. And now it's maybe you the it. fourth best selling Santa Cruz. Right. Mm. And part of that is yeah. just that mold's a couple of years old, and that's kind of the trend right now is that people want the new molds for, for freshly baked carbon. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I'm that the question is it, the next big hot 27 and a half from a big hot pop, popular brand. How deep do I do I order? Do I order medium demo bikes? Do I order small? I mean, what bikes do I order? How many? It, it's I'm confused. That's all I'm. Mm.
0: Mm-hmm. i i i mean i you have the best, biggest sample size of people you've talked to that are actually interested in buying bikes out of the three of us i guess what i would ask is what do you are you are you seeing a size break phenomenon that i'm speculating exists it's skewed that way
1: it's skewed towards your speculation but i wouldn't say it's i wouldn't say that There's still tall people asking about 27.5, and and there's still short people who definitely seem to prefer 29.
0: Let me ask you this. Is what I'm suggesting less... It sounds like it's less noticeable than just the drop-off of 27.5, period. It sounds like that's noticeable. Even in the medium and small sizes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But not as much, to your point. I mean, for sure...
1: Very short people still seem to gravitate towards twenty seven and a half much more than very tall people, hmm. but just not as a. Um,
0: you still have to show the very short person at twenty nine. I feel like mm-hmm. and let them try one. Uh, my girlfriend came back. I mean, I set her up on a mullet bike, and now she prefers a full twenty seven five. And she spent a good amount of time on a mullet bike, right? And and never. I kept, Hey, do you want to try a 29 rear? Do you want to try? No, 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 no. And then built her up the other bike. Now, granted it's not travel for travel, but I think she's like, yeah, I just, I like it better. I can, I think she feels like, you know, she can kind of weight the front wheel better, which, you know, logistically doesn't really make sense, but it just fits her better all, all around, you know? Mm. Um, and, uh, but she's on the small side. Like she's extra small, small customer. Yeah. You know, depending on brand, and, there's uh, also
1: no question that as wattage goes down, probably at some point you want the smaller wheels. Maybe and, you can
0: hmm. you can always build a twenty-seven-five lighter.
1: Yeah, and particularly lighter wheels, tires. Tires. Yep, the
0: tires are probably it's where you see deal. the biggest. Um, you see it in the rims too, though. I've been like doing some rim shopping and comparing rims and stuff, and 29er rims do. Have you see a little bit more? Oh yeah, and forks too,
1: mm-hmm. and frames. You got to put more material on to keep them stiff. Yeah,
0: I think that's that's something to be said. Why you know, with the popularity of twenty nine ers, we almost never see bikes really getting built up like complete ready to ride, much under twenty eight pounds. It just you, you got to be pretty dang after it to get a bike under twenty eight pounds. That's like a trail bike category right. or higher. I was going to say,
1: unless you put cross country tires on it, and a cross country fork and no dropping post, yeah, and, yeah, and one sixty rotors and total, stuff like that.
0: Yeah, but what we would consider uh the I don't see much popularity of a bike like that outside of racing or you know fitness riding. You know, guys that are training and really into climbing and wearing spandex and you know, kind of that more it's cycling a culture. Category. It's not necessarily the center of the paths
1: or this riding circles. I mean, the, it's a popular category for customers of the path, for sure. And if you go out to, like, Santiago Oaks, you see a lot of anthems and blurs and old tall boys and hardtails and Right.
2: I think there's certain frame manufacturers that have moved away or certain frame manufacturers have kept the ability for you to build up that sub-28-pound trail bike more easily. So like Giant and their current frame manufacturing makes it very much easier to build that bike um along with their lightweight wheel sets to build that sub twenty eight pound. But most of the manufacturers, once you get like that frame is comparable mm-hmm. frames in other manufacturers are three, quor- half I to think three it's quarter half to three quarter a, pound.
1: Yeah. I mean I think there's other companies that have light trail I mean the spider or the spider, or no? I think it's called a sniper. Sni- the sniper. Sniper, the sniper. Thank you. Yeah, the sniper trails light the, from intense. The spark not RC is a lightweight one twenty trail bike. I think it's the qu- I think it's just really are. Did the people? Did someone set out to build kind of a down country bike or kind of a short travel under a bike?
0: Mm-hmm. I guess the general point I was making not to divert too much into just weight is that um 27 by 5 bikes can be built up lighter yeah with equivalent parts. totally totally can you we just say
1: ste short travel enduro? <laughs> sure <laughs>
0: yeah yeah.
1: No, it's 27 and a half can be built it is lighter in so so many ways the only kind of counterpoint i have to th- that is you can get good traction you can get comparatively good traction with so much less tire on a 29 right and then what once you go if you stop going kind of tire width and knob profile to tire width and if you stop using tire width knob profile and casing as your apples to oranges and start using traction as your app as your apples to oranges you can get the 29er gets a little closer Mm. that's fair And then you put some Moto, Zip Moto rims on it. And then it's heavy. Yeah. Yeah. Then it carries speed well, but doesn't accelerate as well.
2: I was kind of thinking, what if you put like a a lighter, less knobby tire on the Zip Motos?
1: Can I just put a pin in that for a second? and? Bring up an experience I had. So I was riding with Mark the Giant Rep, and he has a, kind of close to the same bike as my Rain. Mm-hmm. And we take off down, and he's got the TRX Zero wheels, which are significantly lighter mm-hmm. than the Zipmoto rims that I've got. 380 grams. Every day. <laughs> and, well, and, right, that's that's assuming that you're running I9 Hydra Hubs on your Zipmoto wheels. Correct. So we take off down the hill, and neither we're both coasting. I immediately notice Mark is pulling away from me. And then we hit a certain speed, and I immediately notice I'm catching up with him. Ah, oh, interesting. So, like, and I attribute it to the rim difference. Like, he has significantly lighter rims that spin up faster, but then once we're up to speed, minor. The zip motor rooms deflect off stuff less, and they They're carry speed really well. Rather than that lighter up and down, it was yeah. interesting to just kind of notice the difference between what our bikes were doing. Interesting. Yeah. But he opened up probably a two bike length on me in like just a few seconds, and and then and then I closed it back up in just a few seconds after that. With both of us, I think just coasting off the brakes. Right. That is really interesting.
2: Spin up quicker and but get caught on the forward.
1: How's your experience been on your Zip Moto rim so far, Ock?
2: Dare I say possible game changer? I think why, I... why only possible? You're hesitant. Because <laughs> we're podcasting, man. I mean, like, I don't know. You're conservative. I hate to be like,
1: you know. This is a game changer. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like usually by the time I'm this keyed into something, it's starting to, like, groundswell. I feel like this is something that people are missing, as far as like as far as being. A, it's expensive, but people buy carbon rims all the time.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think they're probably comparably priced to Reserve thirties on i nines. Maybe a
0: slightly a little bit more. They're more. Yeah. A how much is it? How much is a wheel set?
1: If we hand build you a wheel set with DT Competition spokes in black and the proper Sapim. Pro- it's a sapim nipple with a kind of a locking thing in it, and the right interface with with the rim. Just a little over two grand. Okay, you I can think reserve thirties are nineteen hundred retail. Yeah, retail. it's cl- it's somewhat close. It's yeah. a f- I think ult- I think ultimately it's two or three hundred bucks more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What I would say is it's r- very close in price if we custom build you some reserves with any color Hydra Hub other than black.
0: Hmm.
1: Okay. And you can get any color Hydra Hub you want when we build you your Zipmoto rims. Mm, right.
0: So here's what I think might be going on. We, um, I'm a little bit behind the curve. I haven't tried the Moto wheels, but on the flip side, neither of you guys have tried Kushcore. Hmm. And I think there's it sounds like what's going on with these rims is there's so much flexibility built in. It's like helping deflect in the tire and you know, there's, it's a, it's a flexible rim that flexes and doesn't bend. It keeps coming back. Right. So there's something about the flex of this rim that's making it, it's special. Mm -hmm. And
1: particularly the axis that it flexes on.
0: Right. How it's flexing, where it's flexing, when it's flexing, it, it just all has to do with the flex of the rim. So, I would ask the question, can... Okay, if... Let's say it has a similar effect to CushCore. Um, obviously, you're going to have a lighter solution with the Zipmoto rims. Mm-hmm. Although, actually, the weight your weight difference you're quoting at 380 grams, that's the weight difference of a CushCore XC front and rear. That's but that's the, compared to a very, very light, almost suspect light carbon Okay, rim. fair enough. Let, let's... So let's, yeah, go back to what I was saying as a weight aside. (coughs) If you want some additional compliance in your tire, um, like this game-changing tire wheel performance, you could do it with the Zip motor wheels. um, And that's probably the lighter solution, but obviously the $2,000 solution, roughly. Um, Or let's say you pick some less expensive hubs. if you're already buying wheels anyway... Okay, let's say you, yeah. Uh, then I would say over an aluminum set of wheels, it's a thousand dollars. Call it a thousand dollar premium. Um, the heavier weight option would be to try Kushcore, and that that would be the question I would have is, what similar effects would you get between? So Kush I've been Core having a similar though?
1: thought process, and my speculative theory is that together they would be pretty. That yeah, it might be pretty awesome together. And I do think that they're providing some similar benefits, but I don't. I suspect they're not providing exactly the same benefits. Oh yeah, well absolutely. And there's probably a lot of overlap, kind of, in the Venn diagram of like the benefits that they provide, right? Um.
0: So yeah, I I would love to try Kushcore on some Zippo rims. Yeah. There, yeah, this Cushcore is a tough one. It, it's just a, it's a bear. It's a bear to install. It's a bear to change your mind and take it back out. Like it's, it's. I want to use it, my toes. Makes I heard you hard. can use your toes. <laughs> I use I use my hands, but it's well, it's, hands and toes. <laughs> I I can't say I tried my toes too. I just used <laughs> a lot of tire levers. Um, it it takes a little practice, but um, yeah, I think the Cushcore systems, like hundred and fifty bucks.
1: On the surface my kind of quick thought on this is I, bet, I I suspect that they're both part of a progression towards a more controlled and smooth ride.
0: Right. I think it's an interesting space to look at um you know our listeners I I've, I've been trying to get into skiing this year and part of it's also looking at product and trying to learn about different skis and things like that. A ski is a very simple thing ski snowboard's same same thing right very very simple thing, and it's all about complex construction to control flexibility right mm-hmm. and so and they're using things combination of metal laminates and carbon fiber laminates and wood fillers and uh foam fillers and all sorts of things in different combinations and different overlaps and all the control, the flex of this one single thing. Right. And a pair of skis are about 600 bucks, (laughs) which makes you scratch your head on a carbon rim a little bit, (laughs) right? Because there's almost always some level of carbon fiber in a ski, almost always, there's all sorts of constructions. And so the question I would have is, is the rim industry, now that we've kind of let the cat out of the bag and that rim flex matters crank brothers is playing yep. is for sure is right you know kind playing of going down that space, road right. uh zip is obviously going down that road i think we're going to see more and more rim manufacturers tuning their stiffness and not necessarily trying to maximize their stiffness all the time and so I wonder at what point we start to see like hybrid construction of aluminum with carbon and mm. and things like that. Yeah. And so with a space as mature as like skis and snowboards with this composite layup laminate construction methodology to control stiffness and some of the skis even do they try to allow flexibility in one direction and not the other like all these techniques they're trying to control the flex in some way that they want it. Even even damping, adding materials so that the, the rebound speed is controlled or things like that. So I wonder when we're going to see that start to transpire into rim technologies. And I think you'll see it in, you know, kind of this laminate style mm. construction. Obviously, seems like a trickier engineering challenge to try to do it in a hoop versus a flat, you know, right. a ski or a snowboard but uh i think the Zipmoto wheels are definitely bringing up the bringing up the question of what how can we control the flex of this system and and let it do what we want it to do i wonder when the next step starts exploring full full wheels again or y- you know like the the spinergy spin days of yore
1: mm. yeah i think this Twisting on the axis of the spoke line is such a whole new idea that we haven't really seen before. And I was excited. I really did feel like I could feel the added smoothness of the front wheel on the Crankbrothers Synthesis wheels, and it was exciting to me. But it was a relatively subtle difference. Right. And this is... A much larger. <laughs> it's a big difference. I, I didn't. I to didn't, me, it's a big difference. I've
2: never ridden the synthesis wheels, but I mean, from the get-go, within a couple of minutes of riding on the first half of a, it's called Overdrive. It's a local trail here here in Southern California. It's like a four and a half minute downhill, um, and in the flat corners, um, man, in the first couple flat corners on, I borrowed Tani's... Wheels, the Zipmoto wheels, and um, man, kind of pushing onto that corner, pushing into that corner. It's that the sound was interesting in the cor- in this flat corner. It was a quiet flat corner, and to feel the tire wheel combo, like kind of do that grrr, um <clears throat> on that corner and build confidence through. I was like, "Whoa, that was really interesting."
1: Yeah, oh, and the sound it makes through rock sections rock gardens is different too. Yeah,
2: or the yeah, the lack thereof. It's really it's quieter. Interesting. Yeah, cuz I had ridden the same trail with the um with a different much lighter wheel set and riding these kind of prolonged high-speed rock garden sections, decently chunky uh, but but very high-speed straight lining the level, the amount of sound and feedback that you're receiving um on the on these zip moto wheels is is much less.
1: Yeah, I feel like I get less hand pump. I get better traction in turns, I get better kind of straight line stability, quieter,
2: smoother. I was kind of talk talk we were talking about this a little bit earlier. It I could almost say it felt like uh you talked about spinning up quicker. It so it sort of felt like um Having a, a a downhill
1: casing um, tire, we also joked around about it being like almost the difference between sandy and moist. Uh, yeah, that's, that's the cornering, yeah. Sandy, it really is almost the difference between sandy and moist. Good like, dirt and bad
0: dirt. Yeah, it's that extreme in, in the corners. Yeah, yeah. How how do they sell these now? Can you buy a complete set straight from Zip? You can buy, bo- yeah, you can buy both. And right. if you do, okay. the upside is it'll come with the tire Whiz.
1: That's the integrated version, mm-hmm. which pretty clean and slick. The downside is uh, that hub is not exciting to me. Okay. Same price as say you built it up custom, but you just wouldn't get the tire wiz. <clears throat> About like the price if you built them on DT three fifties, right?
0: Okay, I see. Is, are there whim? Are there width options, or is it just come in one width? One width. One width. So yep. it's one It's one product right now.
1: There's a front and a rear, and the difference is which side of the offset spoke holds the pinstripe is on. Oh, okay. Are mm-hmm. they actually... And there's multiple dump? colors of decals.
0: Right, exactly. <laughs> and, 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 mm-hmm. yeah. how, so let's say someone wants... How much are just the rims? I think there's... In the seven, seven-ish range. Per pair? Or per rim. Per, per, per rim. rim. So there's about $1,400 worth of rim. Something like that, yeah. Okay. And how... How is it – does it include nipples or the things to tape it properly? Let's say you're a mm. comfortable building wheels and you I just think, want to buy them. I
1: think you're just going to get the rims. I think you get some washers. There's, like, rim washers? I think so.
0: Some, like, spoke washers that you need to use. What's the – you said there's a recommended nipple from Supreme. Yes. It's got kind of it's got kind of the right profile
1: where it touches the rim, and it's got the – it's similar to a Pro-Lock. It's got, like, a Nylock.
0: Okay. Thread lock type thing. Can you build it with any nipples you want, or is it?
1: I'd like to do some homework before I answer that, but I know there's recommended nipples, and I will add to that they do have a slight tendency to detension. If the post sale retention is a little more critical,
0: without with without the proper motor. needles, no, just period, oh, well, just in general. Okay. The, the
1: nature of the rims oh. are that if they could detention, they might detention. Oh, okay. Okay. I did check mine today. I don't think they detentioned. Right. I'm not saying everyone who buys them is going to... Yeah. So...
2: It is something that...
1: Anytime we build a custom wheel set, I'm never that surprised if it comes in with loose spokes after a few hundred miles, because sometimes that can happen. Right. Um, usually it doesn't with well-built wheels. Yeah. Right and and still even with Zipmoto's, it still usually doesn't it's just a m- little more prone to it I think okay okay and Wheels over at the um
2: at the Path Bike Shop was saying he's built about fifteen of these now mm-hmm. and was saying yeah maybe these might be taking some lessons learned and mm.
1: they take a little bit they take a little bit of skill on the wheel builder's part yeah you have to. It, it takes a little bit better judgment of the difference between radial ten r- when you should radial true and when it when you should leave the tension even and they need to be brought up to
0: tension a little more carefully. Mm. Do they have a special plastic plug that like covers the because it's a single wall rim? No, you have to get just the right spoke lengths, or you okay. could take an angle grinder to them but there's no like little plastic covers or something cuz i thought tape. there was something about the oh, tape that's a, special like a mm, r- it's just rim strip on top of the tape i think you
1: just need to not tape. have your spokes poking through the nipples
2: oh okay too much you, okay
1: wheels actually
2: put a i guess like a rim strip on top of underneath the
1: tape oh thing. maybe there is
2: like a rim strip under the tape He's like, yeah, there's like a just it's like a normal plastic rim
0: strip that you'd see on old school wheels. But you still but need to
1: keep the, r- the spokes from the spokes can't
0: be sticking through the Correct. The spoke Very length much so. is much more sensitive than normal rims. Does that strip is that come with the rim? And then you're spo- I think so. you're supposed to put that under the tape. I correct. Oh, so. uh, okay. That that makes sense. Okay. But
2: that sounds pretty cool. Uh, and I did start I so I rode mine for the first time this morning um down a couple flowy and technical and fun trails um and I ran lower tire pressure even
1: and I I already feel like they feel like lower tire pressure they do and they are made in the USA hmm. kind of cool. cool i mean if you're into um, that
2: and i think i will i, I will say this i ran them i normally run say 2525 25. And so today I ran on my gauge what looked like maybe 22 and 23. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And um, it was was wonderful. Traction City. Traction City. Here's the interesting thing too is I was on a a local trail that has a, um, has this little maybe like three foot, mandatory huck with it's kind of like a little bit of a mini cave drop um into kind of a loose landing rocky loose landing with the hard left um and running the lower pressure with the zip motos i actually normally don't do that mandatory huck i usually go around it
1: isn't it a right
2: Oh sorry, it's a left actually. Okay. Yeah, so um, I normally and so today I was riding, I felt feeling great, and I was like, oh okay, I, I'm gonna take the Highline into it, and then I think I'm I I think this is the way you go, and I was like, whoa, and when I landed, it was you know no problem. When I landed, I felt like even on the braking, like the image that flashed through my mind was added diameter to my brake rotors
1: hmm. so we can have that better better tires better it feels like you got better tires better suspension and bigger rotors and better braking you know that's. i'm, I'm going to test this out on other other sections where it really jumped out at me when i switched to, back to other wheels hmm. As many things like this will right like yeah you get, you get a benefit, and you kind of are like, "I think I'm really seeing this benefit, and then you give it up and you, it, there's this experience of, yeah, I missed that yeah, what yeah. I
2: did was it, my first ride back on the mega tower after riding the rain with the zip motos um, was to drop the pressure on the on, on the wheels on, my, on the mega tower. Did that do it? It de- it it did help. It helps. It helps. Yeah, but it's kind of the thing, you know. Drop the pressure on the zip motos as well a little bit, and it because you had mentioned, you know, running at twenty five, twenty five. Maybe you're not getting the full experience.
1: Well, when I got my wheels back from you, they felt the tires felt hard on my thumb test. Yeah, they were. Yeah, my very calibrated thumbs. <laughs> Unless I'm tired.
2: <laughs> Yeah. So. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't strava my time. So I was talking to. Yeah, I didn't strava my time. So I don't know what I did. like I climbed up willows, willow this morning, and I, I don't know what my time was. But uh, I was just kind of lost in my thoughts this morning. It was a good ride.
1: The best rides. It was man, and the. What and, other trails did you ride this morning? Well, let's see.
2: Did um I did another one and um this particular one has a a really steep shoot at the very end with a with a kind of a a left at the bottom a little chicane at the bottom left and then right and then what used to be a log drop but they've I heard that's shooting. really smooth and good traction right now it is really smooth is it's the log different. drop's gone Uh it's not a log drop anymore but it's a it's definitely a mandatory mandatory huck. So, but yeah, I mean,
1: did I, you crashed on that recently, I right? did.
2: Behind me. Yeah. Because it, it's kind of a, since they took away the log drop, it's, it's realigned. You need yeah. to, it's a little bit more right than. That was, we were asking a lot of our trances on that day. We were. Yeah.
1: Did What else did you ride?
2: I did, I did that. And then, and then the other one, you know, like, you know, it's no, no Laguna Ridge that day. No, 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 no. It was like I was dropping my kids off at school before work, though. Yeah. (laughs) Not the euphemism. Yeah, exactly. (laughs)
1: Literally. (laughs) Old school, literally.
2: Yeah, exactly. Not pooping. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Actually dropping (laughs) the kids
1: off at school. It was, it was a great morning ride. Oh my gosh! I'm bringing it up because I think I kind of, I think I kind of have a slightly different take than you on the T, TNA or the, the Laguna. Yeah, Ridge. let's explore. Most that people a call bit. it most people, I think, call it TNA, but Laguna Ridge is the proper name. Correct.
2: So recently, and we were trying to figure this out through our Strava. When did they reroute Laguna Ridge or TNA? Do you know? I I don't. I think it was sometime in January of 2020. I think so. Yeah, because I was looking at the December. Yeah, I think it was in January.
1: So what used to happen... Well, I feel like they continued the reroute that started a few years back.
2: So a few years back after there was a fire, and then um, they did a reroute and had
1: some cool burmy turns and corners. A raw, fast, high-speed Chucky section got replaced with one, two, three, four, five, probably five or six turns. Yeah. And kind of cool. Yeah. It's still pretty high-speed and flowy. But the... the Neutered? Yeah. Neutered, but good neutered.
2: Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree with that.
1: Overall, I would say more trails should be more like the new trail, but... We don't want to see the raw tech just disappear, right? I was We're actually,
2: concerned. yeah, I was actually pretty happy with the reroute of the, the first reroute because I felt like it made the that upper that upper portion of TNA um, flowier, and
1: it still kept that character of that raw high speed tech. It didn't have the chunk gnar feeling though. The old section really had that. Yeah. Let off the brakes and let your bike manage a bunch of chunk gnar without turt, just chunk gnar. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then the new reroute, so you get, you get to that point where you would go straight to do the historical trail art school yep. historic right. trail, or you go left to do stay on TNA, Laguna Ridge. Right. Laguna Ridge. And you still go through the G-out. Yep. And then right as you would kind of sweep to the left and get into the really steep stuff, you go to kind of right-ish Correct. instead. Correct. And there's some good steep bermed turns. Yep. There's it like definitely a, made the trail longer. How many steep bermed turns are there? I think five. Five.
2: Ish. Yeah. So what used to be after the G-out, you'd kind of, you would high speed to the left, high-speed left turn, and then it would turn into this dropping into a chunky right, high-speed
1: right right turn. Chunky right turn that was, you, you're right. You it, you had to slow down a lot for it, but kind of unclear how much. Correct. And then it really opened up into a really high acceleration. Yeah. So after you made that high-speed right, there was
2: a kind of a lean back to the left, uh and it that's as you're leaning back to the left is really wide open <laughs> roller coaster almost roller coaster sensation.
1: Yeah. Big acceleration. Yeah, big acceleration. I missed that section, but overall I think maybe it's a better trail how it is. Safer. Yeah, I agree with that. Probably overall longer. Yeah. So you're getting more out yeah, of your I elevation agree. loss. I agree, I agree it's one of those things where I like what they did. I just don't want to see everything, an extinction of a certain type of trail. Correct. Because that, that
2: transition from the, after the G out, there's a high speed left into like a dropping off chunky, right. Um, that particular was, that was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. And I'm, sad to see that go to me and my set of values i was sad to see that go
1: ultimately i think it takes more skill to go faster the new section than the old section i agree which is a thing i i hope they stop there it would be a real travesty if they continue to yes. kind of reroute from because what's left you after s- that is pretty special you still
2: get a pretty big part of the acceleration
1: not like I yeah, mean it's I not mean, it's, it's not, not steep and open. You're back on the single track. Yeah. You're put it this way from my perspective. It's after you slow way down from the acceleration. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. You're
2: you're slowing. You're in the slowing down. Well, you where you connect back. I hit the, the brakes.
1: I have a pretty hard burst of brakes in the old section, right, right before you go into the chicane yep. section, yep. which yep. is where the two, yeah. the old and the new meet. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh So anyways, I
2: I'm, I'm going to have to write it a couple more times, but I'm going to be hard pressed to keep on writing because the other the other way down is a lot of fun right now.
1: <laughs> anyways, I'd like to go back in time and hit that step down on the historic trail. Uh, yes. It's <sighs> It's good. I mean, I haven't hit it. I feel like it's kind of in my zone, but on a good day. You know what I'm talking about? I at the top for the artfully minded. Oh, towards the bottom. Pretty quick after the split from TNA. I I I, I don't it's like think a step down double. It's somewhat new. Not like new new
0: uh vaguely yeah I, I i think i know what you're talking about but i have you know honestly i haven't been out there in like six months so it's yeah. um i haven't been frequenting that area as of late i'm kind of a wuss when it comes to the, the cold and, and so this time of year i, I like tend the early to, the so early and the cold what's that so go skiing well, skiing, you can bundle up appropriate for the cold. And, and for mountain biking, later. You, you can't. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So that's kind of my mountain bike program in the winter is I, I just ride midday. Yeah. And um, so then the weekday rides, not so much. And then thus, if you only are yeah, going right. to ride midday, that pretty much makes it only on the weekends. And then you have the whole day. Right. And, and then you, you go somewhere else. Right. <laughs> Unless you're me, and my favorite time to ride is three o'clock on a weekday. I uh, you, you have the self-employed. Uh, That's a pretty schedule. good schedule. Yeah.
2: That's a pretty good time to ride. That's a pretty good time to ride. What's
0: well, a slow time in the shop?
1: And it's a good time to get out for a ride. Yeah, and yeah. if anything, it gives me time to get back to the shop by five when it sometimes picks up again. If I'm gonna go back to
0: work, I yeah, I, I certainly wish I I enjoyed that freedom i'm uh there's trade-offs yeah <laughs> pros and cons <laughs> pros and cons um but the time changes it's gonna switch very shortly here a couple of weeks and uh i think it's early march mid-march finally the clock in my van will be right again <laughs> i did to say that i didn't change it either um so yeah it'll be it'll be nice and um you know i know there's a lot of people throughout the country ride really cold weather and you know i If it's fifty out, especially first thing in the morning, I I just I get really uncomfortable. It's it's really hard for me to like pick what clothes to wear. It's like you got a jacket, but you still got shorts on. Well, then you have to bring a full size pack in case you want to take a layer off. Yeah, like my my feet, my hands get really cold, and they. I don't have a really good control system on that. We need a new designation for something past first world problems. <laughs> it's, it's it's certainly high, but this I. This is first world in a good climate problems. R- right, right, I- exactly. And so, but uh, I'm just trying to explain why I haven't been out to. <laughs> I'm uh, sure if you lived weekend. in a rainy, cold place, you would ride in the rain and cold. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And there's a lot of guys riding in, in cold Cold You'd cold have the stuff. right wet
1: chain lube. You might even have a winter single speed hardtail.
0: <laughs> I I might I might uh, a coworker of mine who was from Scotland said you know all all the guys have hardtails for the for the crappy season and they uh, you know because they don't want to destroy their full suspension bikes with just mud ride after mud ride after mud ride so they they have like a beater hardtail. Uh, he seemed to indicate that was a, the norm there. Um so I made the mistake of pushing through a little more mud than yeah. I should have and ended up almost ruining my front and rear suspension. Yeah. I've I've had a number of bikes and I, I probably don't do a good job of pre taping frames, but I've had a couple of bikes where especially around here because there's clay and rock that will get kind of packed up as all uh you know, the area inside of the rear triangle around the tire is rock carbon. You know, you get pull enough dirt through that, you rub, rub the paint off. Yeah, and I've done that on more than one bike, and thus had to explain it when selling, <laughs> which isn't isn't the greatest thing in the world. So um, that's a bummer. But you know, my lyric
1: was just feeling so good, <laughs> and then I packed a bunch of mud into it. Uh-huh. How, does, it, how, does it good, how does it feel now? Good again, because I had it rebuilt
0: at the Path Bike Shop. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's good to be the king. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Yeah, no, that that, uh, that works out well. I think so. I got to have mine rebuilt.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean,
0: serviced. You probably but are approaching 100 least.
2: hours. Yeah, yeah. When did I get the When did I get the rain?
1: I don't know. I'm not good at this. Mm, yeah,
0: yeah. No, I I'd, I I'd, I I'd agree. But um, that lower service is is really relatively easy to do too. It helps a lot. Oh, yeah. And if if you're a
1: home rider who kind of has a home mechanic fantasy, I would say that's a pretty high payoff, low effort, low learning curve. You don't have to yeah. learn that much. You don't need a lot of special tools and... It's a pretty good feeling to have serviced your lower legs and maybe change yeah. the may, the dust wiper seals that are on the lower legs.
0: For me, the biggest challenge with that is more just the oil man- management, like you know, having a something to drain it into and clean yeah. it up and clean out the lower legs. I I always do a two, you know, as a home mechanic, it's only a couple
1: I mean, ounces though. Like you could drain it onto a cookie tin.
0: Yeah, yeah, you, and, you can. I'm saying it's a, it's re, it's such a relatively easy job that is to me the hardest the hardest. Oh, part.
1: right. Oh, for sure. The cleanup, the the, yeah. the getting mm, yeah. the cleanup is almost yeah. the hardest part
0: for sure. Yeah. Even if you have a proper oil pan already, you're gonna want to clean that up after. Right, right. And the and the legs. You know, um, I always do a two a two night job if I do a fork lower service. Um, I always pull it off one night clean the legs out really good. I actually even just do it in the sink with a... I have like a chemistry bottle Mm -hmm. brush. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like for a beaker or a a graduated flask cleaning. And so I'll just use a bunch of dish soap and clean the legs out really, really good with the bottle brush. And then I let the lowers dry out overnight and then reassemble it the next evening. And when you do that it it's a good idea to also service the air piston which
1: that that's a little more technical but you could do yeah. it.
0: But that one doesn't isn't as susceptible to like in your case I went on a muddy ride my fork feels not quite as great like there was a notable little step change probably didn't get in the, air, the Yes but part of the reason my fork felt good in the first place is because out of
1: after the first couple of rides I had yeah, you someone have go in there and lubricate the air piston. Right yeah I do think the the freshly lubricated air piston is it is a difference in friction in the fork and performance in the fork compared to even like a marginally lubricated air piston right yep yep
2: so I was wondering the other day if let me see can you use a is the damper side of the fork um, travel specific? On what fork? Say, uh, oh, sorry, on the lyric. Lyric Ultimate.
1: There's def- versus not. You could definitely lower the travel on without changing the damper, mm. and in most cases, I think you can
0: increase the travel without changing the damper. The it's it's the same. There's one there's one length damper rod, and then that that whatever the chassis is rated for the damper rod will be rated for too. So can I I was going to ask another question. So could you could you take a could you take a pike damper and put it on a lyric? No, cuz the pike dampers are all going to be limited to 160. Ah, you're right. Or but maybe if, even 150. And I think
1: for a smaller stand, I mean it's a smaller inner diameter of the stanchion.
0: I, I think, think the thread different. might be different, but let's just say the thread Theoretically, if the thread would 50, you'd have to check the yeah, if pike. the threads matched up. Yeah. In theory, you could drop the damper in there, but you're going to be limited to the maximum available travel for a pike, not a lyric. Correct.
1: If you could do that, that would be a cool way to have a super stiff, short travel, shorter travel rock shocks. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I've said it on the podcast, but 2019 Fox 36 to Rock, RockShox Lyric or Fox Lyric it, Ultimate. I feel like the 2019 Fox product fork kind of edged out like slightly better than the Lyric, but mm-hmm. 2020, mm-hmm. I think the Lyric and Pike are head and shoulders above the 20 the 34 and the 36. Mm-hmm. When they
2: went to the Ultimate. I guess that I don't know the nomenclature, yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. So I
1: have a. I think it's a different air spring and a different damper. <sighs> mm-hmm.
0: I have a really weird suspension preference, and this is typical my style. So don't don't beat me down too much for this. But my personal fork preference is, um, and unless there's some other reason I came into the fork is unless there's a positive negative control, like those are separate. I'm not really. I don't really like it. And and I don't you don't like... like
1: the self-equalizing positive air No,
0: I, I don't. And that pretty much covers everything from Fox and everything from RockShock. And then that leaves you like MRP, um, DVO, Manitou. Um, and uh, those are the ones I can think of off the top of my head. Um, but I am finding that I have one... It's a Yari, but it's the same air system as the Lyric, as far as I know. The, the Debonair system, especially the Debonair, has kind of a dead zone, and I think a lot of people have experienced this when they kind of up the negative volume on the on those Debonaires. There, there's a little bit of a, a, a like a self-sag zone to it, and and you that mean like it has a kind of a
1: spot it wants to sag to or
0: it has like maybe like seven millimeters of like dead zone like you can compress the fork and open the fork it's just i'd be curious if you mean uh, like negative travel like unsupported travel where it's not being held in one position with the positive and the negative in like a Solid kind of floating position. between positive and negative spring. It, it, yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I'm curious if you guys notice this. Like, pick up a debonair fork, especially if you have one. I think one that on the adds a small bump sensitivity. Yeah, yeah, it mm. it does for sure. You know, you're the, and well, I'll I'll be intellectually honest. No, I don't think it does. But um because you're already sagged in the fork to some level, if you are floating in that zone, yes, I would agree. But because you're sagged, you're already almost disengaging the the negative, but a lot of small uh, bumps are coming off the top, top out though. And if that's in possibly, some cases, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. For me, no, I don't, I don't personally think that's helping with that. I think what the higher pressure negative or the higher volume, higher capacity negative side is doing is uh, helping into the travel for more of the stroke. But as a result, there's something else going on with the debonair that it, it seems to have this like dead zone. I I was just curious, next time, if next time you guys walk by a debonair fork, see if you can, if it has like a little bit of a, you know, five mm-hmm. millimeters, say dead play. I think I've perceived that as um, soft at the top. Right. But if I have the fork, um, it's actually, I ha- I'll, I'll show you guys after the show. If I have the fork and just hand it to you, you can drop it in, drop it out. It's not just sensitivity. It's like dead. Uh, Unsupported. Unsupported. To the point where with a debonair fork, what I would personally recommend to a friend offline is go plus 10 millimeters of what you would normally run if you're going to run a debonair because they tend to sag kind of under their own weight, about 7 or 8 millimeters. Thus... If you're picking a 160, get a 170, and actually your ride height will be more closer to what will be closer, yeah. So um and also with the RockShock and the Fox, the other thing is you always have to change travel rods to change travel. Whereas all the other brands have internal because they're not they're not reliant on a d- equalization dimple position you can you can play with you can use spacers you can use sure. spacers and change the travel on the fly much easier um, and typically they in, they come with a spacer in so. my my overall
1: perception though is that when we, when we went to the, when Fox and RockShox went to the solve equalizing forks, I felt like they felt better
0: I would agree with Fox for sure because they had a fixed negative coil right, It was spring. the worst of both that was like that was not a great. Great solution and talk about being shorted on I, travel, but if I also lying. feel like
1: the debonair feels I, I feel like you have to before before we go too far to this conversation, like maybe just ride a new pike and a new and or a new the new pike in
0: particular for the amount of travel, it just feels so good right, but a big part of that's the debonair, and I'm just saying with the debonair, I think maybe came a consideration that you might be sagging a little deeper into the fork and you might want to consider going plus 10. Yeah, maybe for for a for a debonair system, and then I, I don't.
1: I feel overall though like my lyric is riding a little higher in the travel overall on average than my thirty six, and still feels plusher at the top. That could be just
0: compression damping control.
1: And yeah, right. I mean, I, I I don't feel like I need to fork up to keep the front end up on my lyric. That's all I'm saying.
0: I'm also surprised that more brands haven't gone to the fork bleeders like you see on a Fox 40. I want them to on the MRPs. I think they should. That that's something that I thought I would start. I would to would also see roll like out to, a little bit. More I mean, more. I I almost want to start a company around the idea of just making aftermarket fork bleeders. You drill a hole in the lowers, screw <laughs> yeah. them in. You, <laughs> you could do that. Yeah. They, uh, yeah, you just got to find a a nice low profile bleeder.
2: Bleeder.
0: <laughs> you can do that. That's, it, it's a tough one. You'd have to kind of get it. It'd be a challenge because if you put it at the bottom where you were, you know, it, it would just thinking offhand, you'd have to think about it pretty carefully and try to find a really good strategic spot where it's I not. Picture handed. it being
1: right as high as you can get it on the lowers.
0: I think you can sneak it in where the foam ring is. Drill the hole at the foam ring level, and you're almost guaranteed to have a little bit of clearance, and that that might be an
1: awkward spot because of the taper and the bevel.
0: It it might be tough. So maybe just maybe just below that. But you have a you have a lot of extra volume there. That's a good spot. Yeah. Yeah. So if you needed a little extra space, you're guaranteed that, like, say, oh, so what you do is you
1: make a a standoff that follows the taper of the fork, and then offsets it to a flat.
0: Mm, like epoxy it on or something.
1: No that that's the sh- that's part of a machined insert. Oh, there you go. That threads into the
0: lowers after you drill them out and yeah. tap them.
2: <laughs>
0: I think a lot of people, a lot of home mechanics, do when they do like a lower service. They, um, you know, especially if you're playing with the air cylinder, uh, you could easily if you assemble the lowers on the fork with say the fork compressed, you might run into some performance issues because there's a because of this bleeder issue. You know, if you attach the lower legs and have the fork compressed and tighten down the nuts, expand it, then you, you're like drawing a vacuum mm-hmm. in your fork. It's going to react funny, but if you had the bleeders, yeah. then then you're good to go. So let's do that. <laughs> MRP de- includes the bleeders, and Fox did it on the 40. So they... Uh, I mean, the 40 is a big volume, big volume fork, and, and also a fork expected to be transported... Uh, yeah, to ski resorts, yeah. Like, chances are that most yeah. of those bikes live at a lower elevation than they're most like frequently they're ridden. Yeah. Um,
1: if we keep talking about this, it's going to degenerate
0: <laughs> on fork bleeders. I'm
1: my brain, I'm
0: sorry, my brain is broken.
1: <laughs> there's something wrong with me. <laughs>
0: Uh, so, so anyway, I'm a, I'm a big fan of, and I'd be really curious to try the, uh, formula fork because they have a triple air control on that fork on the spring side. You can control the positive, the negative, and then they have a ramp control. that's really similar to the Manitou ramp control. Manitou does a simultaneous positive negative fill, not a separate controlled positive negative fill, Mm -hmm. but the, that new formula does all three. And so you can control all three. And um, there's actually, I saw an interview with Chris Porter. They developed, a, they did a downhill fork. They did a forty with that air configuration, kind of in secret. Uh, you know, number of years ago for for like Fabian Burrell or something can like we that. Please change the subject. I'm having such a hard time not making inappropriate comments. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Your what well, what what else you guys got?
1: Oh, is that a podcast? <laughs> it I'm it certainly, certainly, I'm
0: struggling. It certainly can be. <laughs> Sounds good.
1: My headphones just fell off. <laughs> I'm struggling desperately not to make inappropriate jokes. <laughs> you guys have any other topics? No, let's call it. Okay. Yeah, before anything bad happens. Thank you, Nathan. Thank you, Auk. This is Tawny saying, love the bike you ride.